We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Twenty minutes a day. 65 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks so much for being here today. We just wrapped up family night, the first family night ever that did not involve either Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers. Crazy to think about. This, of course, was Jordan Love's first opportunity in front of a live crowd at Lambeau to be the guy as the starting quarterback in Green Bay. There's a lot of positive takeaways. There was a lot of things that certainly need to get cleaned up. There was some really bad music, but let's kick things off right away with some players that were not practicing on the night. Uh, the players that were out were David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Josiah DeGuara, Lou Nichols, Jake Hansen, Eric Stokes, Rashawn Gary, and Grant Dubose. So Dubose, Gary, Stokes, Hansen, DeGuara had all been hurt already, and those were not new injuries. Lou Nichols, we didn't get an update as to exactly what the injury was, but he had dropped out of practice uh, in the previous practice on Thursday. He had taken two hits in a row and uh, you know, kind of went off awkwardly to the side. Line. Not sure what it was. It looked more of like a midsection type injury. So we'll have to kind of keep an eye on that. But he was not practicing on Saturday night. Uh, Elton Jenkins was illness. So that's great news that it was no, you know, anything else, right? You don't want anything with Elton, but if it's going to be something you want illness to be what it was. So he should be back sooner rather than later. And then the, the one that was sort of concerning, you know, when it happened, where at least when we saw that he wasn't practicing was David Bakhtiari. And you might be like, Andy, how, how are we at the point where this is concerning? This is like just the, the normal for David Bakhtiari. Some days he might practice, some days he might not. And that's just what it is, right? But if you remember on Tuesday, he practiced and then he dropped out. Then he didn't practice Wednesday, didn't practice Thursday, and then didn't practice Saturday. And he had sort of been going every other day and had sort of a cadence that he was working through. 
but he did not practice. And the bigger thing here was earlier in the week when Matt LaFleur was asked about, you know, the, you know, Bakhtiari practicing this week, they basically said they were working backwards from family night with the intention that they wanted Bakhtiari to be able to practice on family night and then would work his days off based off of that. So the fact that he didn't, you know, that he dropped out of practice in some capacity Tuesday, didn't practice Wednesday, didn't practice Thursday, and then didn't practice at family night certainly gave some cause for concern when it initially happened. Now, Matt LaFleur said after practice that there was no cause for concern, that this is just part of the situation, but basically said that this is sort of what might continue for Bakhtiari through the course of this season. And when we talked about, you know, could a Yash Nyman trade make sense? And we've talked about as well in the past, could a David Bakhtiari trade make sense? This is why it's so complicated and so hard, right? It's just so hard. And I'm not saying it's hard to trust David Bakhtiari. It's just hard to trust David Bakhtiari's knee, right? And we just don't know. And Green Bay certainly doesn't know like what that knee is going to feel like or be like on any given moment. And, And Bakhtiari certainly doesn't have a feel for that either. So the hope, of course, is that regardless of practice situations, that once game days start, he's going to be able to play on on Sundays, Mondays, Thursdays, whenever they're playing. But remember, and I'll, I'll go back to this last year. Remember, he had started or like missed the first couple games of the year, then he had played. He later in the year had the appendectomy, but there had been one game last year, and forgive me for not knowing exactly which one it was. It might have been the international game, but I could easily be wrong on that. Don't quote me on it. But there was a game last year where he just woke up like on that day and just couldn't go. And like, that was sort of the new normal for Bakhtiari of just like, there might be a week where you're expecting him to play and he just might not be able to go. So that is going to play a huge factor into this season and, you know, what they ultimately want to do on the offensive line. And I think because of that, they're going to continue to have to cross train some players. I think Zach Tom, Yash Nyman, all those guys are going to have to be ready uh, to certainly play some offensive tackle when needed. One of those guys clearly going to be the starter as well, but Elton Jenkins might have to still kick out there. Who knows? But this is sort of the new normal for David Bakhtiari and it might amount to nothing, right? Maybe he's back practicing next week against Cincinnati and he plays in the, like, he's not going to play in the preseason game, but you know, he plays in the regular season and he plays 16 out of 17 games and it's much ado about nothing, right? But it does seem like this is going to be a continued issue and you just don't know what it's going to ultimately be for Bakhtiari, but he misses. And uh, that was one of the big absences. But uh, the big thing to take away is that Matt LaFleur said there's no cause for concern at this point. And I think that's good news. And hopefully we can take his word for it at this point with Bakhtiari, but you just never know with David in that knee and how it's flared up in the past. So we'll kind of keep an eye on that. Starting offensive line with Bakhtiari and Jenkins out was Yash Nyman at left tackle, Royce Newman at left guard, Josh Myers at center, John Runyon Jr. at right guard, and then Zach Tom at right tackle. The starting defense and offense were basically the same as normal outside of that offensive line for the offense. On defense, it was Justin Hollins with the starters opposite Preston Smith, and it was Jonathan Owens once again getting the start opposite Darnell Savage with the starters on defense. All right, that sort of gets some of the logistics out of the way. Let's jump into talking about Jordan Love and the rest of this team and how they performed on family night. So Jordan Love ended the day 11 of 18. I know some people in the press box had him at 11 of 19. The differentiator there is there was a play in the red zone where he threw to Jaden Reed and Jaden Reed, uh, like he went to the ground. The ref in the back of the end zone called it incomplete. On the replay, it certainly looked like he might have come down with the catch. It was really tough to tell. But regardless, 
there was a holding penalty on the defense in the play, which would have negated the play. Now, I will say usually in training camp, regardless of what happens, like if it would have been a sack on the play, but Jordan throws it anyway, we usually have been sort of counting that as a completion. If there's a penalty, we've usually been counting it as a completion or incompletion. So if you want to go 11 of 19, you certainly could. I couldn't even, like, I think the hard part is you couldn't really tell if it was a catch or not. And then you had the penalty. So I'm just sort of erasing that one from the books. I'm going 11 of 18 on the day. But basically his his night was a microcosm of the first three days that he had of practice. So if you remember, day one of practice was a really tough day where he had four opportunities down the field and missed all four of them. Day two of practice was some incompletions and inconsistencies, but he had sort of some easy completions mixed in with a couple of really nice throws. And then day three of practice was not not including the walkthrough. The day three of competitive practice on that Saturday was what a lot of people argued was his best day as a quarterback in Green Bay. And that's basically how this day went. The first portion of this practice, he went one for five. The second portion, he had a lot of like easy completions or just stuff that you know didn't amount to much, but he did have one really impressive throw to Jaden Reed over the middle of the field. That was kind of like that day two of practice. And then the third part of practice... He went five for five to end the day, including all extremely nice completions and leading a two-minute drill uh, for a touchdown with ease, like with extreme ease. So it was a little bit of everything. And just like that first day of practice where you could tell it was Jordan's first day and he was taking over, new starting quarterback, everything, and you could tell he was just a little bit amped up and a few jitters and things like that. I think that was the exact same thing that sort of happened in the first part of this practice. And Matt LaFleur mentioned that after as well. Uh, and you could just tell he was maybe a little bit too amped up and he missed some throws that he shouldn't have missed and, and quite frankly can't miss. And we'll go over that in just a moment. But that's how the day was. If you kind of split it into three sections, a really rough start, one for five, the middle part mostly nondescript with a really great throw to Jaden Reed mixed in. And then the last part, uh, you know, the, the two minute drill specifically where he was fantastic and uh, again, led an easy touchdown drive. So let's start with the, the one for five to begin practice. All right. So on the very first play, he's thrown a sort of a deep route to Romeo Dobbs. The safety's on his way over. Jair Alexander's in coverage. It was, a, in my opinion, a bit underthrown, but it was contested. Romeo Dobbs didn't really read it very well, in my opinion, either. Like it ended up falling incomplete past Romeo Dobbs, even though it was underthrown. It was just a sort of a weird play and just chalk it up to good coverage by Jair. Maybe not the best ball, maybe not the best read by Dobbs. I, it, I don't know. It was just sort of, I don't know, blah, whatever, whatever you want to call it. It was just disjointed. So that was throw number one. Number two, they come back to Romeo Dobbs, who beats Jair easily on the play, has about three yards of separation, great route by Romeo, and Love overcooks it and throws it you know, about three yards past Romeo. Should have been a easy big-time throw, big-time completion. Those are the plays that Jordan cannot miss, and that's been Jordan's biggest issue so far, is hitting consistently on some of those big plays down the field. He's certainly hit on some of them, but there's been a lot more opportunity there, and it's just been a little bit inconsistent from Jordan. The third play from uh, from Jordan was a tight end screen to Luke Musgrave. Easy throw. The defense was all over it. Musgrave somehow got back to the line of scrimmage. It ended up in a zero yard completion. Then Musgrave is coming on a crosser over the middle. Musgrave had separation, had speed and buildup and was ready for a completion. And somehow Love just completely missed him. It looked like it was high and wide on the play. 
So that was another poor throw. And then on the fifth play, you had Musgrave deep over the middle. It looked like some sort of seam route. Now he did have to kind of get it over and under in between the safety and the linebacker. It's not the easiest throw in the world, but he overthrew it, overcooked it again, and it could have been a completion and it was not. And that's another big play waiting to happen over the middle of the field. So started one for five with multiple misses, including the miss to Dobbs, which should have been a big completion, the you know crosser to Musgrave over the middle, and then the deep throw to Musgrave, which could have been a big play as well. So not obviously a great start. And like I said, then the middle was, you know, um, not super, uh, there's no big takeaways from it. Basically there were a couple throwaways. There's a couple easy completions, couple incompletions, but it was mostly nondescript. And then, like I said, there was the gorgeous play to, to Jaden Reed mixed in. So here was the two minute drill at the end of practice. All right. So on the very first play, you've got Musgrave once again going over the middle and very similar to the one that he missed to Musgrave and overthrew it. This time he hits Musgrave. Musgrave had miles of separation on the play, just used his great speed to get in the middle of the field. Love hits him. It ends up being a 30-yard completion. Then they come back to Christian Watson on a you know quick in-breaking route. He hits him on a slant in stride. It ends up going for 20 yards on that completion. They do a quick handoff inside for about four yards. And then on a nine route, you've got Christian Watson one-on-one with Corey Ballantyne. Love puts it up in a place where Watson had the opportunity to go up and get it. Was a good throw, but an even better catch contested by Ballantyne. I think Ballantyne probably should have done a little bit better at the catch point, but credit to Christian Watson who goes up, you know, skies gets the pass and makes a gorgeous reception for a touchdown and a beautiful two-minute drive for an offense, a number one offense that has really, really struggled in those situations and opportunities so far. Now, to be fair, on the very first play of that two-minute drive, there was a botch snap between Josh Myers and Jordan Love, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit more in just a moment. But that potentially could have ended that drive before it even started. They could have just awarded it to the defense at that point. They didn't. They basically started it over, and in then they had the gorgeous two-minute drive, right? So that that's what his day was. In the last five plays for Jordan Love when he was five for five was that uh, was a nice slant uh, to Romeo Dobbs on a nice completion, a big time dime to Jordan, or excuse me, for um, to Jaden Reed for about 20 yards ish. And then the big play to Musgrave, the Watson slant, and then the Watson touchdown. So five for five to end the day. And I will say this once again, even on the incompletions, right, where he was inaccurate and needed to throw better passes, Outside of maybe the first throw where it was kind of, like I said, disjointed and I I don't know, maybe he could have gone in a different direction. I once again love Jordan Love's decision-making. He didn't put the ball in harm's way. And I thought he had a very nice day of processing and, you know, knowing where to go with the football. It was 11 of 18, 11 of 19, whatever you want to call it. But if he hits the throws from an accuracy standpoint, you're talking about what there was three misses on, or at least two misses, probably another one mixed in. You're probably talking about a you know 14 of 18 day with multiple touchdowns and multiple explosive plays. So the the going through the progressions, the reads, the knowing where to go with the football, the mental processing, the command of the offense, all of that has remained really, really good. The not putting the ball in harm's way has remained very, very good. It's just the consistency and the accuracy for Jordan, specifically down the field. He's had a couple throws uh, overall in training camp and that, that have just gone a little bit wide on some on some little, um, you know, 
I guess, you know, swing passes and things like that. But overall, it's been the throws down the field that's need a little bit of work. And then other times you hear the Christian Watson where if like it's an eighth of an inch this or an eighth of a second later or sooner, it's not going to be there where he hits, you know, um, who was it? Uh, Samori Toure on the out and up where it was a gorgeous throw where, you know, Jaden Reed went on and on about how perfect of a throw that was. So he's had some beyond perfect throws down the field, but that's where the inconsistency has been. So this has sort of been a very similar night to, you know, what we've seen from Jordan so far in training camp where you end up around 50% completion percentage again with very good reads, good decision-making, not any major mistakes, but a couple throws that you'd like to have back and you just want to see that accuracy come up a little bit. And if it does, you're talking about going from an average night with some average completion percentage to a really big night with great decision-making, big-time throws, big-time plays, etc. So it just needs to be a little bit more crisp, a little bit more accurate. If he gets there, look out. Everything's been good you know, elsewhere with his process, but it just needs to be a little bit more accurate. And again, it's been very reminiscent of what we've seen in, you know, from Jordan Love in training camp so far. So now the big question is going to be like, I would argue like this is phase one. Like this is sort of the the first phase of, you know, the the offseason of training camp, right? And now the second phase will be the lead up to and the Bengals game. The third phase will be, you know, the Patriots, you know, joint practices and then so on and so forth. So I think there's like four phases, what I would consider uh, for, for training camp for Jordan. This is phase one. It's better than I expected. You still have those inconsistencies and inaccuracies at times that need to get cleaned up. If you can get that cleaned up, then we're talking about a quarterback that's really headed in the right direction. If he can't get that cleaned up, then we're talking about a quarterback that is going to have to really work on his accuracy and find a way to be a bit more consistent. So overall, still would say that Jordan is a net positive so far at camp up until this point. The offense still a little bit disjointed at times, but the opportunities are there and it just needs to be a little bit more crisp. And if it becomes a little bit more crisp, like I said, then you can start looking out for what Jordan and this offense can ultimately do. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, the player of the day and the story of the day was Anders Carlson. And unlike all the other days, where it was really for all the wrong reasons, it was for all the right reasons on this one. Now, I put Anders on the day or Anders on the day as nine of nine. And you could have argued that it was eight of eight. You could have argued that it was eight of nine. You could have argued that it was nine of like you could have gone in a couple different directions. So here's what I had for him on the day. His first kick that he made was an extra point in the pregame warmups. It was like a 30, whatever, 33 yarder. 
and he made that in warmups. There was no real rush on the play. So there was some debate up in the press box as to, do you count that one? Do you not count that one? I think Huber counted it. I think Schneidman didn't. I counted it. And I thought Huber, Bill Huber brought up a great point of like, if he would have missed it, we would have talked about it and we would have counted him 0 for 1 on the day, right? So he made it. We counted it. If you don't want to count that that kick that because there was no rush on the play, so be it. But he made that first kick in, in pregame. Then he had a 40-yard field goal he made, a 44-yarder he made, a 49-yarder he made, a 43-yarder that he made, a 45-yarder that he made. And then he had a, I think it was probably around a, a high 40s or low 50s kick where there was an absolute atrocious snap that ended up in a very bad hold and it should have never been kicked in the first place, meaning the holder should have aborted it and just, you know, try to roll out and find something downfield. The, the timing was completely off. Anders had 0% opportunity to make that kick. He somehow got a foot on it. Like, I don't even know how. And it ended up going like into the end zone still from like, again, 50 plus yards out is what I believe it was. I have no idea how he even got it that far based on what happened up until that point. That one was not on Anders at all. So I know if you want to count for, for from a team standpoint, if you're grading the entire process, it was a miss. The, the hold was bad off of a very bad snap and Anders or Anders technically kicked it. I'm not holding that against Anders on the day at all. So then after that, he had a 51 yarder, a 53 yarder. And then as the number two is finished their two minute drill, there was an opportunity tie game, 51 yard field goal for the win. And he absolutely crushed that one as well. So I put him, if you include the extra point at, at, you know, in pregame, and if you exclude the botched hold slash snap, et cetera, to me, he was nine of nine on the day. If you are not taking the extra point and you are counting the bad hold snap, et cetera, against him, then he's what, eight of nine on the day. So it's in the eye of the beholder of what you want to ultimately give him, but I'm going nine for nine. And this was exactly what Anders Carlson needed. He needed a bounce back performance. And to be fair, as long as you don't count the one that was the botched hold and snap, he is now perfect all time at Lambeau Field, which is going to be a important place for him to kick moving forward. So it was a great story on the night because he really needed a day like that. The consistency was great to see. We'll see what that amounts to moving forward, but that was a night that he needed and a very impressive performance from the rookie kicker. Uh, the other, Some of my other players of the night, I thought the young defensive linemen were fantastic. Carl Brooks had two or three pressures again. Colby Wooden had two pressures again. Jonathan Ford had his best night. He had two big pressures in the backfield. I think at least one of them certainly would have been a sack. And I think uh, Wooden had at least two sacks. I think Brooks would have probably had at least a sack or two included in those pressures. Devontae Wyatt had a really nice day. He absolutely ran over and annihilated Royce Newman on a play. So those young defensive linemen really make it a name for themselves. I asked Matt LaFleur about about Carl Brooks and Colby Wooden after practice. And he said that they're counting on those guys to play snaps this year. And I think that's telling, right? You you can basically chalk up Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks for 53-man roster spots right now. Not only are they making the team, it sounds like the team is very much expecting them to play significant snaps. And he said minutes and then corrected it to snaps. But you get the point. They've been really, really good. Now, Carl did get washed out on one running play. And I think it was Royce Newman, if I remember correctly. But outside of that, this is a player that continues to get penetration into the backfield every single day. And like I said, there were two or three more plays and, and Wooden had uh, a couple really nice ones as well. As I mentioned, Ford did, Wyatt did. So 
those young defensive linemen continuing to show up day in and day out and really start making a name for themselves. The tight ends as well, and specifically Tucker Craft, Luke Musgrave, and Tyler Davis. There were a couple snafus. I think Tyler Davis had a false start and a couple things like that, but overall, the one-on-ones were really good. The team activities were really good. Tucker Craft had a phenomenal contested catch in the end zone for a touchdown. Luke Musgrave on that first drive, as I mentioned, they did the tight end screen to him. Then they did the crosser over the middle that Love missed, but Musgrave opened with his, his speed on the crosser. And then he had the deep um, seam route where he's open there too. And unfortunately, Love missed that one. Then later in the two-minute drill, Musgrave catches the big seam play, goes for 30 plus yards. He is becoming a matchup nightmare and somebody that Matt LaFleur, I can promise you, is going to look to continue to get mismatches on. There's also on the play to uh, Christian Watson for the touchdown at the end, the two safeties over the middle, Luke Musgrave's running that seam route again. Both safeties converge on Luke Musgrave. It leaves Christian Watson one-on-one with Karen, or, uh, with uh, Corey Ballantyne, and that is going to do wonders for those wide receivers on the outside if Luke Musgrave continues to get all that respect over the middle of the field running those those you know seam routes. So he had a really nice day. And then Tyler Davis, he had a couple nice catches. Uh, and then he also, I think he had a one-hander in the end zone, two and one-on-ones, but he had some really nice blocks and credit Tucker Kraft, who had a couple really nice blocks on the day. Uh, that it was, it was his best day blocking by far. Luke Musgrave had a really nice block on a play. Those tight ends are coming around nicely. And that was Tucker Kraft's best day by far. Contested catches. He had a couple other catches in team activities, two really nice blocks. He's coming around as well. This is a fun group of tight ends and Tyler Davis is taking a step. Those guys are going to make the team. Tyler Davis, uh, one of the most integral players on the, the special teams as well. So really nice day for the young tight ends. And then it's so easy to forget about Christian Watson, but he had a couple of really nice plays. The the slant that he had was a big play for like 20 yards. He had the, the touchdown at the end where he goes up and sort of mosses uh, Corey Ballantyne on the play. Um, he had a, a couple other nice receptions. He had a nice block on the outside on a run. I think it was AJ Dillon to the left. It could, I think it was Dillon to the left, but a really, really nice night by Christian Watson as well. All right, some other miscellaneous notes from practice. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the, the two minute drill for the ones started with a botched exchange between Jordan Love and Josh Myers. That is the fifth fumbled snap in exchange by the offense so far in practice. This is what practice number eight now, fifth missed snap. Three with Jordan Love at quarterback, two with the backups at quarterback, but the bigger thing, the center on every single one of those snaps, Josh Myers. So if you want to know why Zach Tom might be getting some looks at center, that could be a piece of it. As I mentioned the other day, I cannot tell you and look you in the eye and say that Josh Myers had anything wrong to do with any of them. He might've been 100% to blame on all five. He might've been 0% to blame on all five. I have no idea. I can't see from the angle that I'm looking at. All I know is that the common denominator between five fumbled snaps so far between the quarterback and the center has been Josh Myers. So that'll be something to keep an eye on moving forward and just see if if Zach Tom starts getting some more snaps at the center position. Matt LaFleur talked after practice, he was asked about Dontavian Wicks. This was his quote, quote, he does an unbelievable job. As a matter of fact, we were talking yesterday with coach Vrabel, the wide receivers coach, and Vrabel talking about how many text messages he gets every night from Wicks in terms of he's always studying in the limited action we've seen where he's done some very impressive things. So they've been very impressed with Dontavian Wicks. He's a fantastic route runner. Unfortunately on this night, his biggest play was he had a catch over the middle. Now, 
It was a bang-bang play, so he gets a catch over the middle. This was in a live period. He gets hard, uh, hit hard uh, by Benny Sapp. The ball goes flying backwards, and Tariq Carpenter ends up with the ball. It could have been a catch and a fumble, and Carpenter comes up with it. The ball never hit the ground, or it could have been a non-catch, and then the ball stayed in the air, and it's an interception for Tariq Carpenter. Either way, that was a poor play by Wicks. He needs to find a way to come down with that catch and certainly not let it go where it could end up in either an interception or a fumble. But overall, you can tell Dontavian Wicks has some really fun uh, wiggle to him. He's a really nice route runner. He knows how to gain separation. Um, that's going to be a play that he needs to clean up a little bit, though. But some very strong, encouraging words from Matt LaFleur on Dontavian. Tavian Wicks. Your starting kick return unit, Tariq Carpenter, Isaiah McDuffie, Patrick Taylor, um, and then uh, Innes Gaines and uh, the uh, inside linebacker, Wilson. Sorry, my bad uh, on the, the name there. But yeah, Eric Wilson. I don't know why I'm confused for all of a second, but Tariq Carpenter, Isaiah McDuffie, Patrick Taylor, Eric Wilson, and Innes Gaines. And then Tucker Craft at uh, the, the next line of the return with Tyler Davis and Luke Musgrave on the right. And then Jonathan Owens and Corey Ballantyne, the next group. And then Keyshawn Nixon was the returner. So uh, those were your 11 on the starting kick return unit. And then the first gunners were Keyshawn Nixon and Rudy Ford. The second gunners were Innes Gaines and Corey Ballantyne. Deuce Watts, I thought, had a very nice night with some impressive catches, both in one-on-ones and a team drill. He had one that was really behind him on a team drill that needed to be because of where the, the zone was, but he caught it behind him and continued upfield, so that was a nice play. thought that was the best practice for Deuce Watts. There were a ton of penalties on the day, mostly on the offense, so that's going to have to get cleaned up. Your number two offensive line was Rashid Walker, Sean Ryan, Cole Schneider, Empey, and then Caleb Jones. And then some undrafted free agents who are starting to make some names for themselves. Emmanuel Wilson, the running back, had a really nice catch in the flat in a uh, red zone period. Uh, I thought that was a really impressive play. He, he had a couple really nice runs as well. And then Keyshawn Banks off the edge has had some uh, extra pressures as of late. That's been impressive. And then Jimmy Phillips, two back-to-back plays, a big run stuff for a loss, and then got out to the outside on another play that was like a tackle at the line of scrimmage. Those are some three undrafted free agents that have, have really been impressive as of late, and I would keep my eye on them. Probably more practice squad guys, but you never quite know. And Emmanuel Wilson, Keyshawn Banks, Jimmy Phillips playing some good football right now. Tariq Carpenter, not only did he have that one play that was sort of either a fumble or an interception that he ended up with, Carpenter, by the way, and after practice called it an interception. So we, I guess we can just go with that. But he had that. And then he also had another interception earlier in practice. I believe it was from Clifford where he threw it over the middle. Carpenter dropped back into coverage and he dropped a very similar interception in practice the other day. He held onto that one. And then of course had the, the either fumble or interception later. So a couple big turnovers for Tariq Carpenter. And then last but not least, Carrington Valentine may just have had another pick six if the quarterback was actually accurate on the play. Not sure which, I know it wasn't love, but it was one of the, the three backups. I forget which one it was on the play, but he jumped another route and the ball just ended up going wide. If it was on target, I think Valentine has another pick six and we're probably talking a lot more about Carrington Valentine, but that guy plays with swagger. He knows how to jump a route and he is going to come up with some plays if he ends up on the field. Watch him in, in preseason. Would not be surprised if some backup quarterbacks end up throwing some balls right to Carrington Valentine in these preseason games. All right, that is going to do it for me today. A ton of interesting stuff to go over. I hope you enjoyed this full breakdown from Family Night. I'll be right back here tomorrow with another episode. Uh, so you're not going to want to miss that. Make sure you're subscribed. If not, what are you waiting for? Uh, but I'll see you tomorrow. And until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go.